Most gracious and ever-living God, I pray at this time that you would feed us with your Son, Jesus, who is the living Word made flesh. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, it's, uh, it's bread again. Um, for those of you who've been here the last few Sundays, you might be a little suspicious now, thinking um, the fix is in, that we keep repeating uh, the same gospel until we, until we feel as if you've got it. Um, and, and if you're feeling a little suspicious, let me say that that's not true. Um, but we are working our way through the sixth chapter of John's gospel, and there is a great deal of repetition throughout that. But that being said, the repetition tells us that something important is being shared with us, something that we need to hear. And not simply the repetition, but also as we hear in the gospel this morning, when Jesus says, truly, truly, um, I say to you, uh, whenever we hear those words, that, that's our cue um, to, play, to pay close attention, that something um, essential that we need to hear is about to be shared with us. And there is, uh, in the gospel, uh, in the sixth chapter of John's gospel, there is a progressive revelation that is going on, and one that ultimately will lead us to the cross, uh, the only place where life and salvation are found, the place where the bread, that is Jesus' body, will be given for the life of the world. This gift of God, Jesus, for the people of God, is an offering and a challenge And we see this in the response of the people during Jesus' day. We see it in the response of the people during our time as well. We, We see and experience it in our own hearts and in our own lives as well. And the reason is, is that Jesus makes a truth claim. And he makes a truth claim that everyone must respond to. And he says that there are needs in our lives that we are insufficient to fill in and of ourselves. He says that we are incomplete on our own. He says that he alone is the answer. He alone is the one who is sufficient for us and that he alone is the one that we must be drawn to for life and for salvation. And as we explore this this morning, I invite you along with me to reflect on three things. And the first um, is the presenting issue, um, the problem which we are faced with in the gospel. Secondly, God's response to it. And then finally, um, our response. But the first is the presenting issue. And the presenting issue is that no matter what amount of striving in our lives, no matter how mostly good things are, um, there is a void present in our lives. Uh, and of course, there are times in our lives um, when things have so clearly uh, and undeniably fallen apart that we can't deny it. But even when things are going well, um, whether that be a, a short period or a long period, regardless, there is um, in our lives um, a void. And down through the ages, men and women have struggled and they've striven through various means to try and fill that particular void in our lives, to find the meaning of life, to find joy, to experience uh, contentment, uh, to fill that inevitable void that we feel in our lives. And there are um, numerous responses which we seek. There are numerous answers which we pursue. And there's a quote um, by the columnist Bernard Levin that I often turn to, and it is in reference to the human condition as you and I know it and experience it. And it's from a column 
that he wrote entitled Life's Great Riddle and No Time to Find Its Meaning. Uh, And in this, he addresses his various unsuccessful attempts to find meaning in his life. And in the column, he writes these words, Countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire, together with such non-material blessings as a happy family, and yet they lead lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation, understanding nothing but the fact that there is a hole inside them. And however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edges of it, um, it aches. I think uh, insightful words, as, as he shares, even, if, if, even good things, uh, even if things are going reasonably well, we, we cannot escape Um, the reality in our lives that there is a void, that there um, is something missing, that there is a hunger um, in our lives that drives us and that we try to satisfy through through so many different means. Jesus recognizes the hunger that we experience, and we hear that God responds to that uh, in the person of Jesus. I Years ago, uh, in seminary, uh, a number of different buddies from entirely different contexts, uh, different animals. And I remember one day I was sitting with a couple of buddies, Bob and Michael. Uh, and Michael was from Valdosta, Georgia. And Michael was polite uh, and southern. And uh, Bob was from Connecticut and he had worked um, in Manhattan. And the interesting thing with Bob was Bob didn't have a filter. Um, if it was, you know, if it was here, um, it, was, it was out there. Not only did Bob not have a filter, which, which made things interesting, um, but also he really not only didn't seem to mind uh, upsetting the apple cart, he, al- he almost seemed to relish it um, at, at times, saying different things. And one day we're sitting there, we're having coffee, and, and Michael looks at Bob and says, you know, Bob, uh, I really like hanging around you. And, and Bob said, well, I'm, thanks. Um, why, why, why is that? And Michael said, well, because you say the things I think, but I would never say. Um, and, and as I say, Bob was, uh, Bob was one of those guys. And I, I share that with you because as we reflect on the gospel this morning, we, we see um, the presenting issue of the human condition of the human condition, but we also see um, the divine response. We see God's response to that. And as Jesus responds to that, we hear in the gospel this morning that there are those um, who are offended uh, by what Jesus has to say. Uh, and not only are they offended, but they, um, but they resist Jesus as well. And certainly um, that's not unique to them. Uh, the challenge of our sinful human nature. And the reason that they resist and the reason that they are offended is not because they literally think that Jesus is calling them to cannibalism. Uh, They don't literally um, think that Jesus is saying, you know what, you need to literally eat my flesh and you need to literally eat my blood and and that's the way that you're going to find life and and let me go ahead and offer myself as as the first person um, for that. They, They recognize that that's not literally what he's saying. And the reason that they're offended is that they know what he is saying. And what he is saying to them is that um, you are not able to find life in and of yourself. You're not able to bring wholeness um, to yourself. You're not able to experience salvation through your own efforts and striving. He says very clearly, very unmistakably, that you must come to me, uh, that you must feed on me um, through faith, that, that I am, um, Jesus says, essential um, to your life and your salvation. I am the source of your life 
in your salvation. And you'll never know um, that wholeness that you long for. You'll never know um, that completeness that we hunger for until you find it in me. Jesus um, challenges them. Jesus challenges us as well with the truth that life is found and that salvation is found in recognizing um, our need for him and being drawn to him. And that brings us um, to the final thing, um, our response to that which Jesus shares um, throughout the gospel. I don't know if Y'all remember, many of y'all have probably seen, some of you I'm sure have not, um, a great movie, As Good As It Gets. Uh, and you remember how Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, and, and Jack Nicholson's character is Melvin Udall, and he plays this sort of caustic um, author who has uh, all sorts of uh, obsessive, uh, compulsive disorder and, and any number of, of particular issues. And he, and he goes about wreaking havoc um, wherever he goes, but he also goes about, um, there, there's a million great scenes and a million great lines uh, from that movie. And Helen Hunt um, plays Carol Connolly, this kind, this uh, gentle waitress who's also a single mother trying to care for her son who is uh, perpetually sick and uh, Nicholson's character, because of his OCD, has to come to the same restaurant at the same time, sit at the same station, have her uh, wait on him again and again. And so it, uh, they begin to bump up against one another. And then um, through, through her and through her character, sort of change and stuff starts to happen um, in his life. And there's a great scene where he goes to his psychiatrist's office and he barges in without an appointment. And he walks into the office and he says, Help! And as you might imagine, the, the, the psychiatrist says, you know what, we're, we're not going to do this. Um, we, you've got to make an appointment if you want to make an appointment and come back. And, and he has a great response. He says, Dr. Green, as someone diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, did I have any control over my barging into your office right now? And he, and he says, you know what, uh, we're, we're not going to do this. If you want to make an appointment, you can make an appointment. You can, you can come back. And he, he ushers him out of his office and into the waiting room. And as he does so, uh, Nicholson walks out. And in the waiting room, they're, they're, it's full. Uh, all uh, these people are gathered there, and, and they're clearly um, burdened, and they're clearly um, anxious. Uh, it's, it's evident in their posture. It's evident in the looks on their faces. And as he's walking out of the waiting room, he stops, uh, and he turns, and he looks at the people, and then he says um, that great line, which is the title of the movie. Do you ever wonder if this is as good as it gets? Have that great line. Do you, do you ever wonder if this is as good as it gets? I share that with you because uh, as, as humorous as that scene is, it, it also points to um, where our hope is uh, and where our help is found. And it's found first and foremost, uh, and just as he did in this particular scene, um, crying out for help. It is in the recognition of our need, uh, the recognition of our need and being drawn to the one um, who alone um, can meet our needs, the one alone who is able to give us life and salvation, the one alone who is able to fill us uh, in the way um, that we hunger and that we long for, the one alone who is able to meet our, our genuine and deepest needs. Uh, it's about uh, recognizing um, our need for the help and salvation given to us by God by being drawn to him. And the good news is that you and I uh, are people who are drawn by the Holy Spirit to him. And as we are drawn to him, uh, as we cry out for help, 
uh, feeding on him in faith, uh, because the truth is uh, that he's come forth into the world to give his life for us, that we might experience life and salvation uh, and our hope, uh, our joy, our fullness, our contentment. These things which we so desperately long and hunger for uh, are found in him alone. And Jesus Christ, who's come forth into the world to give his life, that you and I might have fullness of life, that we might know everlasting life. And as we hear that this morning, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know our needs before we ask. You know them better than we know them ourselves. We thank you that you've responded to the human condition and the gift of your son, Jesus, that you've come yourself, that you have willingly offered your body and your blood upon the cross. And through the cross and the resurrection, you draw us to yourself where we might find life and salvation. We pray that you would remove this day the burdens, uh, the distractions, that which... Uh, leads us to resist you, that we might be drawn to you and find the wholeness made available in you. And this we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.